Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. News podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, what's going on? I was saving this story to tell you when we got onto quote unquote recording. Oh, wow. So today, oh, I texted you it, so it's not really much of a story. It's a story for our listeners. So today I went to DraftKings, the headquarters of DraftKings, which is for some reason in Hoboken. And I was delivering 156 white claws. And how many dozens is that? 13 dozens. Because it was 13, 12 packs. I understand. And I've never been more confused on my life on a delivery. I went through the front door to the front desk. The front desk told me I had to go back, back around to the loading dock. I went to the loading dock. The door didn't open, so I had to go through the garage. There was no ramp, and I had to lug 13, 12 packs of White Claw up the stairs. And then I went to the wrong elevator, and then I went back, and the security guard had to escort me to the correct Man, it was a wild time at DraftKings. That's a very DraftKings order. <laughs> Give me all of the white claws you have. It was funny, too, because you know what their order was? It was no. 10 variety packs. So raspberry, grapefruit, black cherry, and lime. And then mm-hmm. three 12 packs of the mango, because mango's not included in the variety packs. That's actually kind of hilarious. They really know. Yeah, what they getting. really like when I saw that order, I was like, "Oh, you've done this before." Like, yeah, these are you've... people that consume a lot of. <laughs> I white was like, blocks. "You've made this mistake probably on one or two occasions, and now you've realized how to properly do it." Also, a little weird, in my opinion, to order that many white claws in December. I think they're ha- in Hoboken. I think they're having a holiday party. But like, white claws? You going white claw? <laughs> That's like a July fourth. <laughs> White Claws have taken over the world. Did you know there was a white, national White Claw shortage a few months back? Oh, no. When I started working at this at Wine Dads, I, I was talking about White Claws because I was genuinely curious. I was like, do you guys see a lot of White Claws moved? And the guy looked at me and goes, oh, yeah. And I was like, well, which flavor? He goes, honestly, whichever one they send us will move because there's a White Claw shortage. We can't ask for which flavor we want. 
We just have to order White Claws and we thank them for whatever White Claws we get. That's actually insane. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a big White Claw guy. Are you a Trulies guy? I'm not a big, like, seltzer. I haven't had a ton of them, but I had, like, a White Claw and I was like, you know what? This isn't doing it for (laughs) me. Like, I like seltzer, but, like, the alcoholic seltzer with, like, a weird crappy fruit flavor. I'm like, I'd rather just have something else. You're a beer guy, right? I do consume a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> What's your go-to beer? I normally stick with like some IPAs, but I will I will branch out to just about anything. Okay. Favorite uh, favorite brand? Oh, that is a good. Or favorite? Yeah, yeah. Favorite brand. Good question. What's it called? Let's get some buzz marketing here. Good question. I'm trying to. What are the dogfish head? Oh yes, I do those a bunch. It's the. Um, are they seven all day IPA is founders. Found, yeah, founders yeah. all day IPA. I do that a little bit. They uh that's a classic go-to. Dogfish head is sixty minute, ninety minute, yes, and yes. hundred and twenty minute. Yeah. I'll do those. I do those a good amount. Okay. Too. Those are kind of the two go tos. The all day founders is another one, and then I'll mix in just like whatever if there's some pale fire or some uh some three notch stuff in the Charlottesville area. Oh, gotta represent do those. Yeah, yeah for sure. For I sure. love me what about I you? love dogfish heads uh super eight ghosts. And mm, I'm obsessed with their sequence ale. Then that's my second favorite of theirs. Sequench ale Those are so is so good. good. Um, if I'm in the Harrisonburg area, definitely three notched. You're a big three notched. I guy. love three notched. All I I don't think I've had a beer from them that I didn't like. They've got some. They also beers. have really good sours, and I love sours. So, yeah, sours are sweet. I'm a big sour guy. So, do you want to talk some sports? I guess so. <laughs> I guess that's what we do here. Oh, um. Real quick, to plug our socials in the beginning rather than the end, be sure to oh, follow yeah. us at Jamie Sports News. Check us out at our home on the web, www.jamiesportsnews.com, and type that in, Jamie Sports News, into the search bar on Facebook, and you can go ahead and find us there. We're not very active there, but Mm-mm. it's a good place to like us. I mean, if we see dividends in Facebook, I think we'll end up using it more, but we just haven't seen the dividends. Yeah, I think it could eventually become something we use more. We are both busy bees, so we've been kind of yeah, we are kind of slacking a bit on Facebook. It's just so, it's just not in the repertoire. Like we've gotten used to our Twitter posts and everything, and it's just like Facebook too. I guess we could make WordPress automatically post it to Facebook. Yeah, what? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've got. I guess our focus is football and basketball. Oh yeah, right. There's not. I mean, is anything else even going on? Women's basketball. Over? Yeah, yeah. I was including oh, them okay. both in my when I said basketball. Sorry, sorry. I meant. Um, no, I had should have specified. I don't think any. I'm checking Jamie's sports's front page. But I can't I was, remember the last yeah, was, time we skipped a week. We skipped last week, but everything's over. But I don't think. I think it was all over before then, right? Yeah, because women's soccer lost, men's soccer lost, volleyball, volleyball lost. Um. I think that was everything. We're missing one. What else do we talk about? It field hockey. Field hockey lost a while ago, though. Yeah, they've been gone for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we're it's just these guys, and we have a we have okay. a lot to talk about this week. We do. It's a big week. Um, football. They finally had their opponent, which is exciting. They'll play Monmouth, who looked pretty solid against Holy oh, Cross. Big South. Big Your skies, boys. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I made that typo, but I fixed it. It's a funny. Like typo slash mistake with more of a mental block. It's not a typo. It's a it's a mental block. Um, but what a stupid mental block! Like very clearly not a big sky team. 
and I've talked about the Big South all the time and how I don't think they're good. And then I write Big Sky, and people were responding to me, and they're like, they're in the Big South. And I was like, yeah, I know. We're like, weird thing to reply, dude. And I, <laughs> I checked the article. I was like, damn it. So it happens to the best of us. But, um, yeah, that is now fixed. What else do we have? Yeah, they play Monmouth, who I was I was going to roast you. Yeah, because they beat Holy Cross, who you picked. I think we both did awful in our pick <laughs> We both did so bad. I'm pulling it up now just so we can compare. Well, we did so bad. Did I get any well, right? Did Nichols won, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's just look. We'll do this later. We'll, we'll figure this out later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is, we have people yeah, later yeah. in the podcast. Okay. <laughs> but Monmouth is coming in. They have Pete Guerrero. I believe that's how you say his last oh, name. Oh, cool. He leads the nation in rushing. Um, some of that is, is, in my opinion, due to the schedule. But still, I mean, he's got almost 2,000 yards rushing. He's a really good running back. Uh, they've got a quarterback who can, who can throw and run a little bit. They're talented offense. They're scoring a lot of points. Pretty good in the turnover battle. I was looking through the numbers in the, in the piece I wrote, and they recover like – I think it was 65% of fumbles and then like 75% of offensive fumbles they recover. So they've gotten maybe a little bit lucky with some of the bounces um, to recover that many. I think it's is maybe a little bit abnormal. I don't know what the average is, but I would kind of got to think it's somewhere closer to the 50% range when a team fumbles. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, that they're pretty good at in the turnover battle. They can score. They beat Albany earlier in the year. They played at Montana, and I believe they were within a touchdown in the fourth quarter. So it's a it's a decent test. Um, what are your expectations for this one? So, like, Monmouth is a good FCS program for this season, right? Like, they're good. Mm-hmm. However, we've established on this podcast, we've established this through text between us, JMU is not an FCS program. JMU is this season and in the last couple – on the tier of North Dakota State. They're in that in-between. They're not FBS. They're not FCS. Like, JMU is a cut above the rest. If Monmouth was playing a, a different FCS team, I think they have a shot this weekend. But I think JMU has FBS guys across their defensive line that will manhandle Monmouth's offensive line and shut down their running attack from the inside out. I mean, everyone's tweeting about um, Monmouth Barstool's tweet about, like, this is going to be Pete on Saturday running over you guys. And everyone's like, I don't know about that. And I really, I really <laughs> don't know about that. I would not be surprised if Pete is held under 50 yards on 20 carries and they throw three picks. Like, I really think this defense is so overpowering. They're going to just shut down Monmouth. Yeah, I think so too. I think JMU's defense, the fact that they had a bye week. Yeah, that too. I mean, what's the, like, yeah. I think mom, Sorry, I think. Oh, what's his record after like? Yeah, buys? I feel like he's undefeated after buys or something like scary good. If we, I think you figured that out last time we had a bye week. I can't remember, but I'm sure he's he's solid. I know for us, when was the bye this year? It was going into the New Hampshire game. And they ended up winning fifty four to sixteen. <laughs> so that's a good one week sample. The thing for me, and it's kind of like you said, is I just don't like look at JMU the same way as the rest of the FCS. Like I think Monmouth has a really good team this year the best in program history for them. They just picked up their first playoff win ever last weekend yeah. beat Holy Cross. So, I mean, they're doing some really good things. I don't think they'll necessarily be scared. I think there's nothing for them to lose really going into this game. My thing is just, you look at New Hampshire and Richmond and Rhode Island, those last three games where people were kind of talking, maybe not as much about Rhode Island, but New Hampshire and Richmond, how those were 
teams that didn't ultimately make the playoffs, but they're very much in playoff contention. They're at the top of the CAA compared um, to some other teams. They're right in contention with JMU. And the Dukes beat them both by 30 yeah. points. Like, that's where it, it looks like, you know, if they're playing at home against a Monmouth team that really has not faced this kind of team all season for the most part, they've got the FBS loss, but that was against a MAC team in Western Michigan, and they lost to Montana, who is probably somewhat comparable to JMU, but I still think JMU is a, a better team this season. I just, I don't know. I think they're really going to struggle. You, you give JMU that bye week, everybody's playing well, everybody's pretty healthy. The defense is one of the best they've seen all season. I just, I don't really see it being that close, even though I think Monmouth is a competitive team. Yeah, I mean, you look at JMU's defensive line, you have John Daka, you could argue an NFL prospect. He'll get a couple training camp invites. Rondell Carter will probably get drafted. Rashad, late round to undrafted type of guy. Adiba Tariwa is going to be suspended that first half of the game for the targeting call in the season finale. But, I mean, when he comes in the second half, he's going to absolutely just – he's such a big body, he's going to stuff everything in the middle. I mean, you just go down this list, and it's – all-American, it's NFL prospect, it's CAA first team. Like, this defense is just stacked, and we haven't even started talking about the offense yet. Right, and I was looking at the weights of the JMU offensive line. Versus the you get, defensive you get into a, line. a rabbit hole with that, though. I remember we did that last year for Colgate, and we saw how that one turned out. That is true. <laughs> I do think the offensive line is playing significantly better this year. Oh, though. Yeah. So I do think there's, there's something to be said. Um, for the size advantage. Although you're right, like you can't strictly look at weight and be like, oh, they're going to kill them. But I mean, I think this year with the size advantage, the defensive ends for for um, Monmouth are in like the 230 range, but the defensive tackles are like 250, 260. I think that's kind of going to be where the issue is, where you've got maybe a 50, 40, 50, 60 pound disadvantage against one of the best FCS offensive lines in the country. I don't really think that's going to go well. So I think JMU is going to be able to run the ball. Danucci's going to be able to hit some plays on play action. The offense will get going. I think the defense, even without Atari in the first half, is going to control the line of scrimmage, which makes it hard for Monmouth. I think that, yeah, I just don't really see how Monmouth makes this game close unless they are able to force turnovers. I think that's really their only opportunity is to win the turnover battle by a large margin. You look last year, JMU – played at Colgate and they lost by three on a last second field goal. And they lost the turnover battle five to one. Like, and they still only lost by three on a last second field goal. So I think it takes that kind of effort for a team like Monmouth to actually compete against a team like JMU or a team like North Dakota state. Yeah. So I don't think they'll win. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's basically my take, but do you think Danucci, will be used a lot in this one? Do you think they'll, they'll even like really need the CA Offensive Player of the Year? What a segue. Do, what a segue into this. To do that much? Um, I think he'll get his, his couple deep throws in there. I think Polk will finish the game with another touchdown, what, make it like seven straight or eight straight or something like that with the touchdown. And I think Danucci will probably pass for 150, 200 yards. Um just because he'll air it out a couple times to Polk, but I don't think Danucci is going to be asked to win this game in any way. Like this running game has just been so dynamic. And I, you just said it about how this JMU offensive line can dominate Monmouth's defensive line. They're going to be, there's going to be gaping holes across this line all day that Percy, Jawan, 
Van Horse? Is Van Horse still getting carries? I believe so. I forget about just this team and like how things are going for them. Just because I feel like I haven't seen him play a game in so long. It seems like it's been like seven months since they played football because the Rhode Island game didn't feel real. The Rhode Island like, game was a blip. And then the Richmond game was honestly a blip too because like it was over in two seconds. It just doesn't really feel like they play much. I, also part of it is that I haven't had a chance to, <laughs> to watch like any of the games That's live. really true. I don't think – I think the last game I watched live was – before the week before Richmond, who was that? I don't even know. It's been New Hampshire. I, I didn't even get to watch that one live. I like haven't watched them play live since they played. Must like, have been going over. Tow- it was Towson when yeah. I was at the you were game, at that one, right? which I yeah. didn't even watch. Really, William and Mary must have been the last <laughs> one. Dang. Yeah. Okay, but sorry. It plays a factor. That was a huge segue. I mean, not a segue, but tangent. It, like, but it, it plays a factor when you don't watch them. Yeah, watch. but it's hard to watch them. Back to it. I don't think Danucci will be relied on too much because I think they're going to run for like 300 yards. Yeah, I feel, I feel confident in that. I don't, I don't think this is much of a game. Maybe we'll come back next week and be very wrong, but I don't think this is, this is too much of a game. Um, so let's get into some hot takes. <laughs> That's really what people want. <clears throat> so my question, we'll post this in the, um, roundtable that I still need to do. Same. Um, That's tomorrow morning. That hopefully will be done when you're listening to this, everyone. Our special roundtable discussion. But the question basically is like, are the FCF playoffs a little bit overrated? I think the DNR, uh, their new sports editor there, tweeted basically that JMU was expecting 17,000 for this weekend. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, I mean, is it is it weird? Is it bad that they're going to have like what eight thousand empty seats for a playoff game? So that is weird, but I feel like that's a leading question because I know what your hot take is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so I'm going to let you say your hot take before I right. walk my like because I feel like every question you're going to say I'm going to agree with but then when it comes to the take I'm going to disagree with and it's going to make me look okay, bad okay. so that's fair that's fair so let me do the take then so that you can yeah okay I'll take you respond <laughs> so basically I think the playoffs are tremendously overrated uh, I still like the FCS playoffs but here's what I'll say I think the first round is complete and utter garbage like first of all and I'll ask you this and this is just a basic one did you watch any of those games you can't see me right now, but I'm avoiding eye contact. Yeah, you didn't watch yeah, it. No games. one did. Did anybody? <laughs> no one. Like, like other than like the really diehard FCS people, like nobody watches those games. And the reason is because there are horrible matchups between unseated. Like Villanova played who they play? Southeastern Louisiana. Yeah, they lost. Who? I don't even. Like, yeah, they lost, and that was one of the better games of the weekend. It was an incredible game, but I don't know why did you, you watch. Watch. No, but I followed, like, the score and stuff. But, I mean, just an insane, insane game with a lot of scoring and stuff like that. But it's still super boring. It's a matchup that nobody cares about because nobody in different regions of the country pays attention to teams at that level in other areas, if that makes sense. Like, I don't yeah. pay attention to teams in the Midwest that aren't seated. I don't pay attention to teams in the South that aren't seated or teams in the far West or whatever, Pacific Northwest, that aren't seated. So you have that. So I don't think the first round means anything. Then you get into the second round, 
and they're those games are kind of duds too, especially when you look at like when JMU and North Dakota State are sort of at their peak. Like, you think Nichols is going to beat North Dakota State this weekend? No, that's a waste <laughs> of a game. And then you then you get into the quarterfinals. I think then it starts to get a little bit more exciting. But even then, I think that the playoffs are exciting when you're there and when your team is in it. Like, I think the quarterfinals when we, JMU, beat Weber State was really exciting because it was a huge win for JMU. It was an exciting game. A lot of people were in attendance at that and have this great memory of it or they were watching on TV and saw that great memory. And I think people sort of associate all of those with the playoffs in general, and that's not true. There are a lot of really crappy quarterfinal games. Last year, North Dakota State beat Colgate. I don't remember what the score was, but it was a very lopsided game. Terrible game between the first seed and the eighth seed. So, I mean, you've got those quarterfinal blowouts. You've got the semifinals that are, like, somewhat exciting, depending on who's in it and when the game is and all that stuff. And then I think the national championship is pretty cool, especially if your team is in it. But overall, I think we have, or like the FCS community and some of the JMU community has this idea that like going to a bowl game, if they ended up moving to the FBS, would be horrible and terrible because this playoff system is so perfect and so great. And it's very much not. It's a good system. It's fun to watch, especially if your team goes far. But like last year, I thought it stunk for JMU. Like last year, would you rather lose in the second round of Colgate or would you rather play in some bowl game after having maybe a a chance at a relevancy in the American athletic conference or something like that. So I don't know for me, I'm, I'm starting to sour a little bit on the playoffs just because I don't, I don't think they're that good. So I have a question for you. Yes. Would you prefer the playoffs if they shrunk the field down to quarterfinals and on? So eight teams, I think eight, I would like, I just don't know. And that would kind of push everything almost up. Like you could kind of, because a big mm-hmm. problem with the FCS playoffs, you'll read it in the um, roundtable tomorrow, and Chase does a great job of laying this out. It's just sandwiched in such an awkward time of the year. Like, it yeah. starts on Thanksgiving break. There's a game in there on Christmas break. And then, like, the championship is right at the end of most schools' Christmas break or winter break. Like, it's just awkwardly placed. So if it, if it shrunk down to quarterfinals and there's eight teams, so you'd only have – quarters, semis, and then finals, three weeks of games, you could kind of finagle that in. Would you prefer that? I think eight teams I would like, but then my issue there is that I think then you you hurt the regular season a little bit because the FCS regular season, there's so much like bubble talk going on. There's so much the idea of making the playoffs is really exciting to so many schools. So like last year, Jamie wouldn't have even made the playoffs because they weren't a state. Okay. So I think in that situation, it would stink. So that's where I think maybe if you go uh, 16 or maybe you do 12 and like the first eight get a buy, you just have like two playing games or something like that. Or I don't think those numbers would work out, but something like that. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you get play-ins or something like that with, with more teams. I don't know. I just, maybe I'm souring on the FCS. I, I don't know. So <laughs> I don't like, know. Because when you said 17,000 this week, so about 8,000 empty seats. I just kind of go back to like, in my mind, I'm thinking of like the Bahamas Bowl and like the Camping World or whatever it's called bowl. Yeah. Where it's like half the stadium's full. And that means like 15,000 seats are empty almost. Like, am I wrong on those numbers? I might be wrong. But like, I just, I don't know how many they, the Bahamas Bowl seats, but I get where you're like, nobody goes. Yeah. To like what I like about the FCS playoffs is that only one game is a neutral site. 
and I know for a bowl game, only mm-hmm. one game's a neutral site, but like I can go to the first round, second round, quarterfinals, semifinals, and like as JMU for all of those, they're going to be home, so you have an opportunity to see them play. Where like if they're going to the Barstool Sports Bowl, that almost was a thing. Like who knows where that is? I, I don't know. Like I think I don't. I won't argue that point. I think that like a crappy bowl game is is obviously worse than the playoff system. There's no doubt about that. I think my thing is that... You think, Jam, you can be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl in the next 10 years? I assume they would move up immediately. Yeah, I think they could grow into a program that would, See, that would contend for those. I, like... Depending... I, I mean, I don't think, know like, you J- look at Appalachian State. They like, haven't done I that, I think though. what they've got going on is more exciting. I don't think, though, so, though. Because every... You don't think they can do that? No, I think, Jam, you could easily be the next app state i just don't think what app state has going on is exciting like to me what's exciting is coming into the season and thinking they have a real shot at winning a national championship where like app state will never go into a season thinking we can be a national championship contender what they're thinking is oh we might make it to what the orange bowl this season the sugar bowl whichever i don't even know what a uh, conference they're in they're in the Sun Belt, I believe. So whatever, whatever Sun Belt's like best. So that, I mean, Jamie wouldn't leave for the Sun Belt. So App State probably isn't a perfect example. But if you look well, at like the yeah, AAC, let's say the American Conference. those teams, yeah. like you look at the schedule that Cincinnati or Memphis plays, it's so much more exciting during the entire regular yeah, season, think, and it's not even close. See, that's, that's that's where I'm with you on terms of that. It would make the regular season a lot more fun. And especially because See, I think that trade off is worth it. Because you could then, if you're in the AAC, AAC, you could potentially schedule UVA, Virginia Tech, App State, um, ODU. ODU. Like you could schedule those old school rivals or make new rivalries. And then you could have your FCS team be Richmond and William and Mary and kind of like switch off through those. But I don't know. I think just. I just the thought of winning a national championship to me is so much more enticing than having a fun regular season and then going to the Bahamas Bowl. I think that's fair. I think there's certainly an argument to be made for that. I don't think most people will agree with me here. I just think that I don't know like how and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but like how sustainable is it for Jamie to really become like a North Dakota state? And is that after a certain point does it become almost boring? Because, so, like, for me, during this, these runs, it's like North Dakota State doesn't play – they play maybe two games a year that are competitive. Like, I get that Jamie beating Richmond is awesome, and when they blow someone out, it's awesome. But, like – and they had some close games this year. But you look at North Dakota State's schedule. Is it really fun when they play South Dakota State close and beat everyone else by 50? Okay, I see, I see your point there. Quick side tangent. They went to the American Conference, American Athletic Conference. They'd be up for the Frisco Bowl, and they could just end up right back in Frisco. There you but go. I book your tickets. I see what you mean. Like, is it fun winning each week by 30, 40, 50 points and like throwing in one Stony Brook overtime thriller game? Like, yeah, it's that's not fun. But I just don't think being a mid major group it- of five football team would be much more fun. Unless you're a UCF type of team, which I don't see Jane, you 
be coming within the next five to ten years. That's fair. Do you think the Monmouth game is fun? I think the Monmouth game has excitement around it. I don't think it's going to be a good game. However, I think the quarterfinals this year and the semis and the finals have so much potential to be great. Because this year, it's going to be South Dakota State in the quarters and potentially Weber State in the semis. Like, those are two really good teams, and those are going to be great games. And I'm, I'm not really South Dakota State as much, but Weber State, I'm kind of worried about in the semifinals. They're going to want to exact revenge for two years ago in the quarters. There's so much more, like, behind-the-scenes drama on that one that I really like. And then not to mention another rematch with North Dakota State. I like this rivalry that we've made with North Dakota State. I think that's what, to me, kind of drives it all. I do like that. I do like that. And I think the the end of the playoffs might sort of change my perception a little bit. I just, for me, it's like... Yeah, there are two bad weeks of football. I'll give you that. The first round and second round are bad. That's why I kind of... And then the entire regular season. I I think that's not necessarily a slight on JMU. I think that's a slight on, like, the CAA. Well, that's, that's I guess, part of my yeah. point is I just it's frustrating like and they're doing a better job now where they scheduled Monmouth and they scheduled yeah, Cooper State in the yeah, yeah, conference yeah. in future seasons. But it's like some of these games are like, oh my God, who cares? It's and they're boring it and it sounds ah, like almost you're souring more on FCS more so than the playoffs itself. I think so. I would like say you're that's just like, probably accurate. But if if and when, because now JMU, like you said, scheduled Monmouth for a non con mm-hmm. and Weber State for non cons, if they could get the cojones to schedule North Dakota State and North Dakota State to get the cojones to schedule JMU in a non-con, maybe even a neutral site. Think of how awesome the regular season would be because you'd get that one to two games of awesomeness that like you're hoping to get when you go FBS. Yeah, I would certainly enjoy those. If they did that, I think that would, that would certainly help a lot. Just getting more of those games that are exciting, the home and homes and stuff like that would would be good. I think my main issue is just, you know, the lack of national relevancy really for some of the games. It's like JMU's got an incredible program and it stinks sometimes that they don't get yeah. much national perception or even within the state of Virginia, they don't get much perception. I think this is a team that could be competitive this year with both UVA and Virginia Tech. Um, yeah. Just based on having them seen them play a lot. And like Virginia's going to play in the ACC championship Saturday. And I think. JMU isn't that far off with 20 fewer scholarships. So to me, that's what would be exciting is if they did move up, I think that the potential, the fact that they would then be at the level with those teams with the potential to become something crazy is what excites me. But I, I mean, realistically, do they get there? Probably not. So I guess that's a fair point as well, but I don't know. I, I have a weird dream of them one day moving up playing these big games and just winning at a high level and becoming one of those power group of five teams. And I think that would be a whole lot of fun. I just see in my mind, JMU's ceiling is UCF and UCF even through two undefeated seasons, didn't even get a berth in the playoffs, which one is just terrible on the playoffs. And two, it's just like, I don't think a group of five team will ever be respected enough to really be a true national championship contender. And like talking about national relevancy and things like that, UCF was on the top of the mid-major group of five world. And now you don't even hear their name mentioned anymore. And I know it's because they're having an off season, 
But it's like, I think national relevancy, when you're a team like JMU, the best national relevancy you can get is when you're the lead story on Hero. Yeah, and that's... that's like I UCF isn't I, even getting that, you know? Right, but I mean, I don't... I don't know how valuable being on Hero is, but no offense to Hero. <laughs> but I mean, I think UCF, like the fact that they played, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of their 12 games were on ESPN or ESPN2. Like that's pretty cool. Um, so I mean, like that kind of thing is exciting. And that's, I guess, where I get a little sad about JMU <laughs> is it's like you pull up the Flow Sports stream. And you've got some announcer who appears to be watching a different stream <laughs> saying absolute nonsense on these road games in front of eight fans. And I'm like, this team deserves so much better. Than yeah, this. I'll give you that. Like, that's 100 percent true. Like their streams are bad. But yeah, I mean, a- my argument here is not is not really formed. Well, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But I think my main thing is I'm, I really love the FCF's playoff system. I think it's a little bit overrated, but I do think there's some intrigue there. And my main thing is I just wish that like JMU, this team could have more national relevance and could have more games against the big teams and that we wouldn't have to just hold out hope every season for them to get a Frisco matchup with North Dakota State. I think that's sort of my main gripe and I'm maybe taking that out on the FCS or the FCS playoffs. But my main thing is just like, why do we have to wait through 15 games to get to the one game that we want to see? That's what I don't like. Because, like, I, even the Villanova game this year, I was not overly stoked for that game. It was a big game against like, a top five Villanova team, and I'm still like, nah. You know, it, like, it just doesn't interest me. So that's why, I don't know, I hope the seeds hold and they play South Dakota State, Weber State, North Dakota State, because that would sort of make it all worth it, I guess. And, I mean, yeah. That's all. That's all I can really say on it. Because, like, I see your point, but I'm just at a different level. I guess I'm like, you have a year or two extra on me in watching JMU football, and so maybe, maybe come back in a year or two and see if I've yeah. Soured. We'll see if you've soured on it. Because I'm still in. I might also change my tune, in, you know, in, in two weeks here when they play exciting playoffs. Yeah, games, because but. like. There was never a second round game, a first round game that got me going. Like, that's what's frustrating to me about the playoffs. That's, see, like, that's where I, like, I agree with you that the first and second round are dumb, and like the better yeah. team is nine times out of ten going to win. And occasionally there will be that time that a southeastern Louisiana beats a Villanova, right? But and that's why I come back to maybe yeah, turn, turn it, take it down to eight teams. And I know JMU wasn't a top eight team last season. In terms of seeding, sucks to be you. Don't lose four games. Don't lose three games in the regular season type of thing. So Right. And I, and I also yeah. think that then reevaluates your automatic berths. Um, right, right. Because right. I don't think then you give any at-large berths. Patriot League. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you get any at-large berths. I think it's just top eight seeds. And in terms of that, like, then I think Jamie would have gotten in. But that's a completely different story, completely different topic, completely different last year. Um, but, yeah. We may revisit this later on, but that was basically my ramble that had no <laughs> actual focus is that I'm slowly souring on FCS games. Well, you know what that leads us into perfectly? Your sourness of it all? The FCS oh, pick Oh, the FCS playoff pick last week. Okay, so how about Okay, so we got Nichols right. We got Simo very wrong. 
Who did they play? They played Illinois State. Oh, they stunk. Man, they couldn't stop the run. They threw Illinois State threw for like seven passes. We got Albany right. We got Furman very wrong. Was, yeah, they got We got Wofford very wrong. Very surprised by that. So one. was I. We got Villanova very wrong. That one they should they were up like 31-7. I'm very upset. And uh, we can talk about that real quick. Like, yeah, that offensive pass interference at the end of the game was wrong. And very bad, but like that comes back to every single like time when you nitpick a play, like the Saints last season, the NFC Championship game. Like you had a chance to win it with a field goal at the end of the game, and you missed the field goal. Like, yeah, Villanova, you had a thirty-one point lead. You shouldn't have blown it. Sucks that you got the wrong call, but how'd you blow a thirty-one point lead? Do you think they're gonna? That'll be like the Saints game, where now that'll be the big Villanova game, and they'll allow FCS coaches to challenge pass interference. No. Yeah, one. <laughs> um, you, you nope. and I, San Diego. We got that right. If oh, here's an interesting question. If there's a missed pass interference call in the Villanova, what is it? Celo, Cela, Cela, I guess. In the Villanova Cela yeah. game, um, and there's no one there to see it. Does it really count as a missed <laughs> pass interference? <laughs> I'm laughing too hard at that. That was so rude. Okay, so North Dakota. Oh, wait. Um, do, do, am I going to? Yeah. Wait, so how many we do? How many we get? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you were four and four last week. Pretty solid. That's actually better than I thought. Um, I was three and five. <sighs> the, thing, <laughs> the thing about this pick is, like, I end up beating you by, like, one, but we're both doing... So horrible. Oh, yeah. Like, see, pick them. I was like 500 and won by like a game. And then I was looking at the Breeze's pickums that they do. Yo, James, James Ferris has is... lost 20 games all season and they're picking like. He's 52 and 20. They're picking hard games. They're picking NFL games and like. They basically get a free pass every time game he plays. So that gives them like an 11 0 record or 11. Like, he probably picked West Virginia. So like 12 0 basically. Um, but after that, the other five they do each week, he's been absolutely killing uh-huh. Let's just hope we're both perfect on the, the rest of the way out, except for you. We you need missed to... one, You missed two, and I'm perfect <laughs> on the way out, and I win. We need to finish strong. Here. All right, North... Here's I feel easy, better This is me. easy, though. North Dakota State and Nichols State. Who do you got? I really like what Nichols brings. And, yeah, they're um, no freaking no. uh, locker room. Do you think they're... <laughs> yeah. Well, now they head to North Dakota State. I would say at least, like, a 30-point loss, right? You know, I'm going to go even higher than that. I'm going to go North Dakota yeah. State plus 42. That's, yeah, that's probably more accurate, <laughs> honestly. All right, so North Dakota State in a blowout. Uh, Central Arkansas, Illinois State. Who do you got? This one's fascinating to me, because Illinois State cannot throw the football, and they make no attempt to throw the football. Central Arkansas, I don't think is that great. I don't think either team is good. The winner of this game is going to get absolutely manhandled. Is this this, low key, this game reminds me low-key of last year's JMU-Colgate um, game. It has some elements Where it's like, the winner of this is just going to get manhandled next week. That would definitely be an accurate comparison. <laughs> I'm going to say that I'll pick Illinois State. You know, I really want to pick Illinois State too, and I'm going to stall here for a second because I accidentally X'd out on the um, bracket. Oh, no. <laughs> um, we, we wouldn't know what was happening. Yeah, Illinois State really can't pass the ball. 
Yeah, they're forty-one like attempts just... last week for two hundred ninety. Overall, fifty-nine attempts. God, that's rushing. so many rushing attempts. Seven passes. Seven attempts passing for a touchdown. Long of thirty-three. They, that to me sounds like a triple option team, um, and I know that's not what they run, but like they're just doing power with like a backup QB. So they're like, and their running back is nice. Yeah, he had forty-one attempts, right? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. But I'm gonna—I know nothing about either one of these teams except Illinois State can really run the football. But when you're that one-dimensional, it scares me. So I'm gonna go Central Arkansas. I'm gonna go contrary to you. That's fair. Just and I'm probably gonna be wrong. Like I do low-key expect Illinois State, and like my heart's telling me Illinois State. This sounds like you're trying to pick both somehow. I am, because at next we're gonna be like one of those sneak picks. <laughs> but to me, Central Arkansas, you get into the film room and you're like, okay, they're gonna run the ball. They have a bad quarterback. He attempted seven passes last week. If we can just the box. if we can just stack the box and force him to win it through the air, we're gonna win. And we'll see. Montana State, Albany. Master of the check down, Jeff Undercuffler. Who do you got? <laughs> I'm very tempted to take the Undercuffler here. Montana State, I I think part of my issue is like going all the way from Albany to Montana. I think that, that poses yeah, a challenge. I'll take Montana State. They've been pretty good this year. Um, played well. Decent conference. They've been tested enough. Okay. I don't... Yeah, I'll take Montana State. Um, not to be contrarian of you, but I'm going to go Albany. I love that pick. Just because, like, I love Albany this season. I've been off of them. I've been on them. I've been off of them again. And I'm back on. They look they look tremendous in the first yeah, round. Yeah, I love the undercuffler. What did he do last round? Let me let me check it out real quick. Just so everyone knows. Throw. 19 of 30. That's bad. With one interception. But he threw for 304 yards for six touchdowns. Yeah, he can, he can do I don't get him. I don't understand the undercuffler. His receivers are nuts. He has some. He's actually pretty good. He though. is. He's 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 going to run the CAA for the next three years. Now we're moving still in that side of the bracket. Sacramento State, Austin Pay. Who do you got? Um, Austin P. Actually, correction. All right, and um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm going to say Sacramento State. They can really score, and they're at home. So. Yeah, I think this is Sac State year. I think next year they'll be bad again. Um, funny, yes, that's a good funny take. story about that Austin P game and Furman game. At one point, I checked in on the score, and I read it wrong. And I read Furman had the huge lead. <laughs> so when I so you felt really confident, I felt so the confident. And then at the end of the the day, when I saw Austin P had won by a huge amount, I was like, Oh no, they must have gotten that. They must have tweeted it wrong. And then I went back and I was like, Oh. I was very wrong. There's nothing worse than me. All right, top of the bracket, right side, top right, JMU, Monmouth. I can already know. I already know who you got. Monmouth, right? Of course, man. I love what the Hawks bring <laughs> out there. Um, Pete's going to run wild. I love that the Barstool account for Monmouth refers to him just by Pete. <laughs> so that's why. Like, <laughs> like, he's on a first name <laughs> basis. He's so good. Um, <laughs> no, I'll say that uh, JMU wins. Um, should we give a score? Maybe we should give a score. Yeah, I'll say give it to me. JMU wins forty-five to seventeen. I'm gonna go. JMU wins thirty-seven ten. That's fair. Okay. Um, South Dakota State. You and I. 
forgot there was another game. So there's a lot more games. How many? Oh, we're not in the quarters. <laughs> South, Dakota, South Dakota State. Right. I'll take South Dakota State. I forgot we weren't in the quarters for some reason. So am I. I'm going to take South Dakota State. Uh, Montana, Southeastern Louisiana. Montana. I like how quick you got now that you realize that wasn't the last one. <laughs> I'm picking chalk. Um, I'm going to pick Montana, too. I have all seeds so far. No, I don't have all seeds. I picked um, Illinois State to be Central. Yeah, but that's that 8-9 matchup that, like, it's basically chalk. Yeah. Uh, Weber State, Kennesaw State. I already know who you got. Kennesaw by 30. No, I like Weber State in this one. Kennesaw State's a fraud. Kennesaw State. Kennesaw. Hey, good for them beating Wofford, though. It was very well, wasn't Wofford a triple option team? Yeah, it was triple option. Triple like, option. Is Kennesaw State a triple option, too? Yeah. Well, that's, that's sad. How do you lose to a triple option team if you're a triple option team? Well, one of them had <laughs> I know one of them had to lose, but like... <laughs> I guess that explains why it was 21. It's a tie. We're taking the best half from Kennesaw and the best half from Wofford. They're forming a joint team. And uh, they'll move on from here. I guess that explains why it was 28-21 in a one-possession game. It was probably whoever had it last. And I was like, yeah. you take it, you take it. Okay, that's it for this week's FCS Weekly Pick'em. So now, into the good stuff. The good, good stuff. Okay, we're going to fire off takes, people. So if you're still here, good. Yeah, this is the best part. I might even put this in the description that you need to tune into men's basketball because this yeah. part is going to flame some people. We'll probably make some enemies. We were really high on this team to start the season. Well, Bennett was really high on this team to start the season. I was a little skeptical. We were switched places. Yeah, we yeah. did. They are bad, man. Can I start by clarifying one take I had earlier in the year that's very wrong at this point? I said Deshaun Parker was – arguably the most complete player on the team, and that's wrong. I'm not going to get into it, but um, that was wrong. That was a bad take by me. I just want to own up to that before we well, get here's started. The thing. That was a, an awful I'll take. own up to it, too, because I agreed to that take. I didn't expect him to regress this much in a season. To shoot like this. I assumed he was a better scorer than he has been. That is my mistake. I think still, in terms of assisted turnover, I love him. He's a I good. He's, he's a good pure point. Yeah, he's not a sure. good shooting but like, point. But the idea that he's better than Matt Lewis, Darius Banks, Michael Christmas, or Dwight Wilson is wrong. He's, so. He is second to last on the team in field goal percentage. He's last on the team for those who've taken 20 or more shots this season in field goal percentage. Yep. 36.8%. Okay. Clear up that take. Okay. What good. is it about this team that's bad? We have some questions from uh, listeners from Twitter. <laughs> Really, one really funny one and another really funny one that's a little more serious. We'll kind of get into those in a second. But what is it that makes this team bad? They had another blowout loss to Radford that's following, what, a win and then a law, a blowout loss to Coppin earlier a couple games yes. ago. What is it in this team, man? <laughs> Here's what it is. They're one of the top five teams in the nation in terms of tempo. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. It means that they've decided – for some reason, with absolutely no logic behind it, to just run, to just run up and down the floor really fast, and they do that, they run no offense. So they get the ball, they sprint down, and they jack up a shot. And not they just don't play a, any not defense. Any shot, a th- mostly bad threes. three point attempts. Yes, a bad three. Then they get the ball after allowing a basket most of the time because they don't play any defense, and then they sprint back again, and then they jack up a three. That's why they're bad because they don't play any defense. They don't run any sort of, like, sets. When they shoot 60%, people are like, wow. Wow, this team's pretty good. 
and then they go out and they shoot it forty percent the next night, and they're like, "Oh, they they stink." No, they just <laughs> they have nothing sustainable. Oh my nothing god, nothing they do is sustainable. So that's why that they are the way that they you are want- is because they they just run. You want to hear something really funny? Yes. Always. So I'm on NCAA.com and I'm looking up some of the best three point field goal percentage guys in the nation. Yes. Um, wow. So I'm going through and I'm like, all right, who's. Did you go to the last page? Kind of. So I was like, this team really does take a lot of threes. And I see Darius Banks has attempted 64 threes this season, and Matt Lewis has attempted 63. So essentially the same amount. That is double than the third-place guy, who's Deshaun Parker, who's taken 31, and Christmas, who's taken 31. The I think the guy with the most three-point attempts this season is Drew Cookshausen from this could be this could be just of the list I'm seeing and not like all of the NCAA but yeah some of the most three points are 79 so Matt Lewis and Darius Banks are up there in the nation leaders in three points attempted I mean they're jacking close to a little over six or they're both averaging about seven a game which is certainly up there and they're not they're neither of them are shooting a terrible percentage Mm. Michael Christmas mm. is shooting. Mm. Matt Lewis at 33. That's not, not great. great. And Darius at 39 is pretty, 39 is pretty good, though. Mm. I'd like to see 40. From three? Yeah, that's actually pretty good. I, said just, I mean, I'll, I'm rounding up in my head to 40, but yeah. I you would round down. It's 39.1. I know, but like that's basically 40% from the free throw. I mean, three-point line. So it's not like ah, – but they just shoot so many threes. Most of the looks are not great. They don't run any offense. They don't play any defense. They don't play any defense. And that was the thing. Like, coming into this season and even last season, also, just a side note, 63.6% free throw shooting. Coming into this season, like, I really thought this team had the potential to run a Havoc-like defense. Why don't they do that if they're going to run? Why don't they do something on defense? When they picked up tempo last season – and then they're like, okay, we're going to run a full court press in with five minutes left in the first half because we want to cut down this 10-point lead. And it would work. Like, almost every time it would work. They'd get good looks, and then they'd get back on defense, force turnovers, and get good looks. Like, and now this season it just seems like, oh, we're going to run the offensive side of Havoc, but we're not going to do anything defensively. Because they're probably winded from sprinting on offense. Their last three games – to three very mediocre and or bad, bad. teams. You can say bad. Okay, okay, they're bad. They gave up 94, 89, 94. It's terrible. That's so bad. And it's because they run a million possessions as part of it, but they don't play any defense when they run a million possessions. I just don't. They have no idea what they're doing. Like, that's really the gist of it is they have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And want to know how we're going to know they have no idea what they're doing? They have a 12-day break before playing Charleston Southern. They're going to get smoked in that game. They attempt 62 shots a game. Plus, how many free throws they get? On average, they attempt. You're the UVA beat writer. You're watching the slowest team in the nation. They're complete opposite. I want, do you know roughly, can you give me a rough estimate of how many shots UVA puts up in a game? I want to say they shot. They shot. 
they did stink yesterday. I want to say they shot like 40 times. <laughs> but let me check. They shot 40 times. Let's just say rough estimate. So let's say they shoot roughly 45 to 50 times a night. JMU is averaging 62 shots a game. And they're only hitting on 42% of those. God, that's bad. God, that's bad, man. Oh, it's it's awful. And they've have they have 214 free throws on this season. On this season. Which comes down so to 24 shooting. a game. 24. UVA is putting up 51 shots per game. God. Okay, that just wow. But it's I mean, the amount of shots they're getting up, it's like I get I don't I don't even understand why did they decide they were going to go fast? And then they have nothing to – they're just like – all they do is like, well, we go fast. If they went fast and played good okay. defense, like if they were shooting this percentage but played good and, defense, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But it's the fact they right. showed me nothing on defense. They don't, they don't help well. They don't rotate well. They're not active with their hands. I mean, it's, they're never really locked in a stance. Like it's terrible D. I don't – they're not going to get better is the thing. Like they just – So they're the same team – they're the same team. This is a with a couple of good freshmen. This is a good segue to the question we have from our baseball contributor, Nick Stevens. Woo. Have we been overhyping the men's basketball roster over the last few years? Would an actual good coach with slightly worse cholesterol help? Or should <laughs> we start look to look or should we start to look a little deeper at the talent level on the roster? I want your take first. We've kind of touched on this before in other podcasts, but I want to hear your take, and then I'm, I have a take for this. Um, I think yes and no. Like I don't, I don't know if the roster is as good as we've made it out to be. And the other thing is I, the idea that Lewis Rowe is like this mystical, mythical recruiter is completely overblown. Like the roster talent is not diff- that different. From other it's just teams from America, not Lithuania. Right. It's not that different from the other teams in the CAA. What I will say is I do think this team is way too talented, way too talented to be 5-4 and four at this point in the season. They are talented enough to be the best team in the conference. So he's recruited a roster, in my opinion, that can win the league and is being wasted. So I think that the roster, is it overhyped? Yeah, probably a little bit. But I don't think that... Um, like, yeah, if you brought in a more legitimate scheme, I think that these players, with how they play and their skill sets, I do think they could contend for the league. And right now, I don't I don't think this group will because they're just kind of running as fast as they can up and down the floor with no aim. Yeah. Um, to answer the second part of that question, yes, an actual good clo- coach would help this team. An actual good coach would, like, help any team. That's kind of like the answer to that like (laughs) if you brought in a good coach they could probably turn in if you brought in kevin keats to this program i guarantee you they're not losing the caa for the next 20 years type of thing um (laughs) right kevin keats would be awesome like full court press yeah but to to kind of the beginning of it this part have we been overhyping this roster yes and no i think talent wise when you look at each one of these guys individually Christmas was a three-star recruit for a reason. He has amazing athleticism. We saw all of his highlight dunks in high school last season. I mean, one of the we tweeted one and it got like 150 likes. 
We know Matt Lewis is crazy athletic. We know Deshaun Parker is crazy athletic. We know Dwight Wilson is a man amongst boys, like all of these things. But I don't think they work well together on a team. And I texted Bennett this earlier today. I equated this men's basketball roster to the Cleveland Browns. And I kind of made comparisons for each player to their NFL counterpart. I think Matt Lewis is Odell Beckham Jr. I think Matt is crazy talented, not necessarily the off the field headaches, but he's an amazingly talented player and he makes plays that you just, that leave you jaw dropped. Like his, um, his buzzer beater last year against Drexel in the CAA tournament. Like you watch that and you're like, this guy's amazing. But then he just kind of struggles to put things together. That's what OBJ has done his entire season. Michael Christmas could not figure out one for him. We'll come back to that. Um, Dwight Wilson is Nick. He's Freddie Kitchens. No, that's lower (laughs) down. Jeez, come on. You got to get through it all. Dwight Wilson is Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb is a fantastic running back. And Dwight Wilson is a great five in the CAA. He's a great five in the CAA. Mm -hmm. He's not a great five in against UVA, but in the CAA, he's Nick Chubb. Deshaun Parker is Jarvis Landry. He shows flashes of greatness. He's overall solid. He's reliable. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to get you assists. He's going to put the ball in the right spot. Darius Banks is Baker Mayfield. Shows flashes of greatness. Just has seemed to kind of been quiet. Um, Baker's not quiet. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, Baker's had a bad season. I don't know. I think we were really high on Darius and that as that, like, one-two punch. And I just don't think it's really come together. I think Banks is playing better than Matt. I do too. However, he does have games where he's completely not. Yeah, exactly. And Baker has games where he throws four picks. And then Lewis Rose, Freddie Kitchens, he can't put this roster together of all of this talent. I actually think it's pretty good. Thank you. I spent actually a lot of time on that. I really can't think of Michael Christmas, though. Because, like, it's not Kareem Hunt. And that's the only other guy on the Browns. It's like a notable name. What you drinking there? Yoku. I'm pouring a Coke <laughs> out. <laughs> but man, this roster is like, I, yeah, yeah. And that kind of, we talked about it earlier. I don't think this roster is as like this amazing mid-major roster. I think it's a okay CAA roster. And with a good coach, it could win the CAA. But with this coach, it's going to finish third or fourth or fifth in the CAA. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. They're underwhelming at best right now, and it's disappointing because uh, they need a basketball men's basketball program that is not bad. Please. They very much need that. They have a new arena opening, and they're just going to give up 100 points every game. Right? Radford's uh, – They they need sorry. to – like, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast because we talk a lot not on the podcast, but you said it best. We shouldn't be afraid of losing Matt Lewis. Like, fire row. If that means we're going to lose this entire roster, so be it. Like, this roster isn't going to do anything to change the trajectory of the program as much as a new hire. That's better than Roe will. Yeah, I mean, I made my my thoughts on, on sort of where I, I thought the program was going, you know, last year a lot. Um, and then you switch ships onto my ship as I switch to your ship. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think they, they need to get better. My thing is... Um, I mean, I haven't seen anything, any reason to expect change, but I will give them the benefit of CA play to see if they 
finally pick something together. Here's the deal, though. If they don't put together a really good conference season, I think you need to look very hard and very seriously at what you want this basketball program to be. Because right now, <laughs> you're at the point where you'd be better off, like, axing it and getting a men's lacrosse team. Like, it's that bad right now. And it needs to be better. It can be better. It's just, it's not getting any better. They're 11-28 and 28 after wins under Lewis Rowe. The inability to win two consecutive games is mind-boggling. And not only that, their inability to close out games. Yes. Like, they should have lost the Old Dominion, Old Dominion game. They won that based off like a fingertip. And that and then the New Hampshire game, I'm pretty sure they were up 20 at half. And they yeah. win by seven? No. Right. You've got to find ways to close out games and you think that's a game especially too that immediately following the old dominion game they'd be super locked in on closing a game out so i thought that was a bit alarming as well it's just I, and that, hey at least they won two in a row during that straight but like, i mean some of the alternating wins and losses were due to like strength of opponent you look at like uva in there and then at george mason whatever but the coppin state they have a three-game stretch of coppin state east carolina and radford and they go one and two with two Kind of blowout losses. That can't happen. Like, that can't happen. Can't happen. I'm just looking at the schedule, and, like, from George Mason to Radford, they should have won all of those games. I'm okay with them losing one of the two at Mason. I think Mason's way better than Jamie this year. So, ODU to Radford, they should have won all of those games. Probably, especially after you win the first two of those. And then you have Coppin State, East Carolina, and Radford. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. They're not, they don't appear to be headed anywhere. Which is a terrible direction to be headed in. Nowhere? No direction. Yes, when you have a new, very expensive arena coming. Hire an expensive coach at this point. Like, do it. It it seems like that's kind of got to be you would think maybe the direction they would move, but we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I know last year I took some heat for saying that I thought they were going to get rid of low row at the end of last season. People were like, that's crazy. Well, here's another question from Ryan Rutherford. Does getting blown out by Radford mean the team is on the right track? If the right track is to fire row at the end of the season. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. I think he's, he's making a little funny there. Yeah, he he's, well. that's very good. Funny. I love that. <laughs> when I read that, I laughed so hard. Me too. No, it does seem like this is kind of what the team does, where they win a game, and you're like, oh, well, maybe. And then they play the next game, and you're like, oh, my God, what happened? So they need to find a way to, to pick some wins up. I'm not expecting anything the rest of the season. Really. Um, now a question. What's the realistic yeah. ceiling of this team? Is it winning the CAA? Is that too high of no. a ceiling? Yeah. <laughs> That's way too high. Do you think that I think they have one winning streak of three games under row against D one teams? Okay, thank you for putting in that qualifier. So the because I was going to say the I the, uh, well, okay, I think the longest winning streak might be four, but like two, two D. It was last two season, or to three open up the year. Yeah, to open up the year. So they're basically going to have to win what I think it'll be three. Even if they get a bye, it'll be three games in a row to win the conference tournament. So, no, that's not realistic. They never do it. They've never done it. They can't do it. 
Um, so, no, I don't think they can win the league. I don't think they can finish first in the regular season. If they finish in the top half, that's, that's their ceiling. Like third. Man. Man. Yeah, you're yawning. You're so tired of this. I'm so tired of nonsense. this team, man. Like, their ceiling is fourth in the CAA and a second-round exit in the CAA. That's their, that's their ceiling. Put it on a blackboard. I don't care. Like, I hope this team uses this to get under their skin and, like, perform better because I'm low-key tired of watching this team. Yeah, I haven't even watched them the last few games. I No, I watched them play ECU, and I watched them play – um, I watched them lose the other one. Who they lose to? My last Coppin State. Yeah. I watched the Coppin State loss. Um, did not watch Radford, but saw that they got absolutely killed. I've wa- the last game Tough I watched there. was the ODU one, and that was horrifying. So, well, that's what we got for men's basketball. It's going to be probably a similar tone all year. Yep, and I'm excited for it. I mean, sometimes I really like to, it's just cathartic being able to. It is just complain. <laughs> it is all right. Women's hoops ah had a somewhat disappointing showing at the UVA tournament, losing to UVA and beating UCF. And you're really just three. just rubbing and salting these wounds. We just finished talking about I men's know. basketball and how the bad of women's basketball. I know the win over UCF was nice, but they struggled in both games, scoring 49 points and then 46 points. So offensively, they need to find a rhythm. They don't play again until the 17th. So they have a 16-day gap from when they last played, which I think will be really helpful for them in terms of figuring out uh, who they want to play, when they want to play them, all that stuff, and then maybe just figuring out some offensive sets that work for them. This is still a really good team. They're going to be fine. They have three more non-conference games. They should win all of them. And then I think they – I mean, they have a chance, legitimate chance, to win out the rest of the way and finish whatever – how many games they have in two. This uh, this UVA loss really reminded me. What was it last year? A Delaware State loss? Maybe not Delaware State. Did they lose to Delaware State? They had a really bad loss. Hampton, sorry, Hampton. Oh, Hampton, yeah, yeah. yeah. That UVA loss reminded me of that Hampton loss last year, where it's like you're going into the game and you're like, "This is a bad team. You should win. You should win by 30," mm-hmm. and you just lose. Um, I think we talked about it. I keep saying this. I think we talked about it on a podcast last week or two weeks ago where it was just kind of like, can they avoid that loss to a team they shouldn't lose to? So, and they couldn't. <laughs> right. I mean, they're a better team than Virginia, at least in my opinion, from watching them play. Um, Virginia scored two points in the second quarter and still won because Jamie struggled so much offensively. They were down 23-7 after the first quarter. And then they ended up having a lead late, but they were outscored 20-10 to 10 in the final quarter. So just kind of a weird, weird game. Really weird game. Really weird game and, and a tough loss for JMU, but I guess solid that they could rebound even despite bad offense to win. So, I mean, they're moving moving forward. They've got some pretty easy games the rest of the way, but I think in terms of at large, it would have meant a lot for them to be able to win at Virginia, get all those. If you could have it so that, you know, your only loss is to Maryland, a top, top-ranked Maryland team or top 10 or whatever they are. Um, that would have been huge. So now you've got a, an extra loss there, and it's getting to the point where they maybe can't afford too many stumbles the rest of the way if they want an at-large. On a side note, did you see the starting lineup against UVA? No, it wasn't. Kamaya, Madison, Jackie, Lexi, Kayla. 
That doesn't seem right. I feel like Kamaya started. Did she not start? Oh, yeah, I said Kamaya, Madison, Jackie, Lexi, Kayla. That seems nice. That's just interesting that they had Lexi at the four. I like that. I like that lineup. Probably their best scoring lineup. Definitely their best scoring lineup. Yeah, it is. Did, interesting, though. That is interesting. I would have put Devin, but I mean, you probably, yeah, you probably like, sub like Devin, Devin Mary, too. in a way. But yeah, this the problem with this team, it's kind of the same with the men's team. They just seem to go cold for really long stretches of time. Yeah, that's the big thing is just like inconsistent offensive play. Um, when they play well offensively, they're they're legit. So hopefully they can figure that out and continue to win some. This is certainly a fun team. Um, uh, I'm getting so sad thinking about the end of football season, man. <sighs> Once that ends, we're going to have women's basketball winning a bunch of snoozers because they're so good defensively, which is not their fault. It's still really exciting for them. They're so good defensively. Uh, they're the UVA so of good. women's basketball. In the CAA. I'm going to go all of NCAA. I'm going to say it. That's, that's a hot take. <laughs> they are very good defensively, though. Very yeah. good defensively. But then we've got men's basketball, and it's like, I don't know how much longer. Make us defense. be interested, men's basketball. <sighs> God. They're not going to. Um, yeah, damn. Damn. Disappointing. Well, you got some football left. If they win the championship, there's also like those, you know, however many weeks of like nothingness where it's like, or if they play in the championship, you know, you've got that hype. Yeah. And Christmas and, and basketball. I mean, football always seems to find a way into, um, that's very true. So that's very true. Maybe we'll land like a um, <laughs> random transfer in February to give us life. Side note, Mitch Trubisky is having himself a night. I'm so mad, dude. 21 of 27 for 230 yards, three TDs, 64 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Yo, let me check this league because it gives me scoring, even though I'm not playing. Wow. Um, Anything else you want to add? Anything else you've read? I think that's all the sports for this awkward time of year. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so um, I have he has thirty-two fantasy points. While Bennett is crying about Mitch Trubisky having a great day to great uh, game tonight, while I he's on his bye week, him. While he's on his bye Fuck. week, because um, I got the two seed in the playoffs. That's, <laughs> that's a championship mentality right there. If anyone's still listening, shout out to me and my fantasy team. Um, and with that, you heard our socials at the beginning for Bennett Conlin. My name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you for tuning into the JMU Sports News Podcast. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.